Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. We are going to scream, thank you, thank you, because we are of the same anointing. We are of the same anointing. We get to stand next to them and we get to say thank you. Are you ready? Go on. Father, we're so grateful. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. Father, we don't want to push past. We don't want to rush past. I know that you are doing a work. I know that you are doing a work right now. Thank you for your miracles. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for another step just to keep following you. Thank you for healing now in Jesus' name. And we say thank you. And everybody says amen, amen, amen. On your way down, grab your Bible. This is not about um, highlighting anything in my life, but I just wanted to give glory to God. Uh, for today marks 23 years of being married to my lovely lady. Um, if, I mean, you know, it's to the glory of God that we are here. Um, and every day, every year is a reminder that if it wasn't for his grace, we would not be here. And so married couples, I encourage you, I implore you, appreciate one another. Good? Awesome. Do you know, if, um, if you went to pre-meeting this morning, you wouldn't have seen this, so I'm going to tell you, but also to encourage you, that pre-meeting is, is a really good thing to be at. This morning, this whole space was full of kids. It would have been one for one, one child for one adult in the room this morning. Now, here's the amazing thing. Here are these kids who come in with their parents because they've been told, come on, everybody's going to go because dad and mom are serving this morning. Da, 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 da. And so they're all here. And I tell you what I saw. We had communion at pre-meeting this morning. And here were these kids hosting the presence of God, hosting the elements this morning, and to see them so filled with life, I was challenged. Because i tell you why I was challenged. Because sometimes I have to drag myself out of bed to get into the presence of God. And here are these kids. This is their norm. This is their normal. And I just got challenged in, in, in this in saying, if the world is dependent on my prayer life, they'll be waiting a while. But what I love is that we prioritize the things of the kingdom like prayer and we align ourselves with it. Parents of those who brought your kids this morning, bless you, like those kids are, 
armed and dangerous. Armed and dangerous. Because who knows the conversations that happen at preschool? Those conversations that happen like, you know. I encourage you to bring your children to church. I just wanted to say that because it's just an amazing thing. Don't let having babies rob you from serving God. Don't let having children rob you or slow you down. Before they arrived, you were happening. You were moving. As a father, I just want to say that, guys, we need to be stronger in that. We need to be an example to our children. And if you can't get out of bed, because the church I see is the church that brings breakthrough. The church I see is a church who continually seeks after the will of the Father and seeks to fulfill it. You got your Bibles? All right, as we read this, I want us to kind of have a clear understanding of just where we are and what we're reading. So here's an issue that was going on in the day. So there was pluralism. So that means there were so many philosophies. There's so many teachers, right? And then there's relativism, which is a big word. It really means individual to choosing their own truths. All right? And then superstition is a devil behind every bush. You know, kind of like was, people were turning to superstition because they were find, trying to find hope to satisfy their needs. And then syncretism, which means many sources combine both religion and social in, in an effort to find meaning. With that in mind, we read. Okay, turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, and we'll be reading from verse 16 through to verse 34. I'll be reading from the NIV. If you found it, say yes. If you're still looking, say wait. Cool? All right. It's entitled, Paul and Silas in Prison. Once we were going to the place of prayer, oh, there's prayer again. We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners for fortune telling. Yes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are servants of, uh, servants of who are telling you the way to be saved. She, she kept us up for many days. She kept us up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope, hmm, when her owners realized when their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. But they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept 
or practice. The crowd joined in an attack of Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Verse 25, about midnight, somebody say midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and, the, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he, when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling at Paul and Silas, before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to the others in his house. At, the, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Verse 34. The jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. What a cool story. Prayer. Paul and Silas just happened to be going to the place of prayer. A lot of things happen when we go to the place of prayer. Now, this is not the temple. This is like just a makeshift kind of shared tent. Could be anything that they had positioned in community for people to be able to pray. I don't know about you, but in your family, but in our family, Sunday morning, trying to get the whole family into the car to come to church, that's a battlefield. Who am I preaching to? Lost shoe, lost hat, lost Bible, lost mind, <laughs> lost everything. And it always happens on the way too. And, and all parents are kind of going, for one Sunday, can we just have one Sunday where everything goes well? Everybody, just do as you are told. Get in the car and let's go. And like, there could be this happening in the car. The minute you get to the car park of the church... Good morning, brother. Praise the Lord. How you doing? And the kids are going, what the heck is that? Who's that? That's not the devil lady that was yelling at me or the devil man yelling at me in the house. I almost lost my life and now you're being nice. <laughs> that was my upbringing. I'm seeing mum worship. I'm like, what? Who's that? They were going to the place of prayer when they met this girl 
who was employed by the mafia. Imagine that. She was making them so much money. And so when she encountered Paul and Silas, as we read, she was saying, this, these guys are the servants of the Most High God. True, right? But who's declaring this? The Spirit. Can spirits declare that? Yes, they can. They fully understand who Jesus is. They get it. And so what she was doing was kind of declaring, walking all over. The, like it says, they were there for a few days. And Paul's like, this has got to stop. He got annoyed. He got annoyed with her and shut it down. The spirit. When was the last time you got annoyed about something? When was the last time you got annoyed about a spirit calling out what you need to be calling out? When was the last time a spirit actually did your job? Because we need to get annoyed with that. Ain't no spirits going to yell out for me. Ain't no rocks going to yell out for me. I will declare Jesus not a spirit. What do spirits look like? Ghosty. Forceful. Manipulative. Worry, hopelessness. What do spirits in your world look like? Because they recognize who Jesus is. They recognize the anointing that Jesus has given you. And so they yell it out as if it's their duty to say it. We need to shut it down. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, we got to shut it down. Okay, so when we declare that, we're saying we're not going to shut up. We're going to shut it up. Okay, so we're shutting down the spirit that is all the time. All the time. Do you know, Mag, can I even suggest that these guys were at the place of prayer and where was the Spirit? Right there. The Spirit was there in the place of prayer. What do you know about it? Hmm. If the Spirit can find itself in the place of prayer, hollering and shouting, who gave it permission to be there? It's because, dare I say, people were just religiously going to prayer. And for days, the Spirit has been around them prophesying truth. The Spirit has been speaking the truth about God. And it took Paul to get annoyed with her. And he shut it down.
Do you know we're called to plunder hell and populate heaven? Sounds like an awesome hashtag. But actually, are we, do we even care? Do we even care that our friends and our families are getting ushered to hell comfortably because we haven't said anything? Are we actually comfortable with that? Are we actually comfortable seeing them? Thank you. Yep. Straight to hell. Yep. Cool. Yep. No, it's cool. Welcome. Enjoy. Enjoy it. No, that's the truth. That's what the church is portraying because we're not standing up for the truth. And so Spirit's got to holler because we're not saying anything. Here's the thing that happened to the girl. So she gets delivered. And so she is free. But the mafias are after their money. How many of you know that when you do that, when you kind of rattle the cages of hell, when you tie them up and you cast them down, there's revenge coming, right? And so I wonder whether we're just kind of scared to speak to the spirit because revenge will come. I wonder. I wonder if we are actually at this, we're just kind of like, oh man, just don't say nothing, man. It's like seeing violence and just like, just don't say anything because you'll get in trouble. I wonder if the church has become that. We're just going to watch safely from a distance while you all get ushered to hell. And we do our own thing. The revenge came through the mafias who employed her to get their money. Mafia, mafia, my fear, my fear. Whenever you rattle something, there's an element of risk involved. There's always an element of risk involved. But how many know that when you're a child of God, you declare that you are a child of God, chosen, set apart, anointed. You have good standing, right? You have something to stand on. And so when, I'm not saying that there's going to be a devil behind every bush. What I'm saying is that when we hear it, Talking, we need to get annoyed with the sound and shut it down. If you're not following Jesus, who are you following? We're just, we're just praying and we're thinking and we're plotting and we're saying, God, what is it that would make this house more mature? What was it that would make this house impact our city as discipleship. If we're not growing in Jesus, in our daily steps with Jesus, then we're just following. We're just following. Where are you at? Because I believe the church I see as a church that is discipled, 
And what discipleship means is following Jesus every step of the way. No options. Is that when life hits me, this is the first place I go. He is the first one I turn to, not the last. That's the mark of a disciple. A mark of a disciple is someone who's always calling people. And every step they take, they're drawing people. It's not the pastor's job. It's the Christian's job. So they get beaten and they get chucked in jail. Right? They get chucked in jail, not just on like a side, but the very center of the jail because they want to have eyes on these guys. The Bible says this, that they've been, they've been locked up in stocks. Now, stocks are kind of like instruments of torture. Hands, probably neck, feet. And they would, what they would do is, is if they wanted to torture someone, they would stretch out the stocks. So they, you get the picture? Yeah. Not very nice, eh? So you feel stretched. There are times in our lives when we feel like our journey is like we are in stocks. When you are stretched on all spheres of your life, every avenue of your life, you're just stretched. And you feel like it's a punishment. Isn't it amazing the response of Paul and Silas at midnight? They started to sing hymns. Now, it's debatable whether they had a beautiful song to sing or whether they had a good voice to sing with. But whatever it was, see, it doesn't matter because the songs they sung brought breakthrough. Here's the most interesting thing about this praise session that they had. Locked up in jail with stocks. I mean, it would have been stinky, ugly, no underfloor heating, no LED lighting in your cell, just stench. They start to sing, and the foundations of the prison shook. And the change, everything that held them, fell off. Now, if they were praising for an escape, their praise would have just stopped. Oh, sweet, come on, let's get out of here. And they're rough. But you see, their praise wasn't about an escape. How many of us begin to launch into praise simply because we want the pain to go away? How many of us would just simply launch into praise because we want our faith to build up? So we're praising for an escape rather for endurance. <laughs> what it would look like, what would it look like if we were to praise in our stocks and when the chains fell off, you just stayed there and you just kept praising. Because it's not about an escape. It's about a greater purpose. It's to endure what you're going through. You see, it's always easy to praise when life is good. Yeah? How many of you love to praise when life is good? Five of you. It's cool. No, it's good. All good. 
How many of you find it easy to praise when life isn't good? Yeah, but a couple of hands, good. Because that, like, yeah, great. There's maturity in the house. There's maturity in the house. That's great. So for those of you who lifted your hands, you need to equip us with how you do it to praise through the hard stuff. Because it's not about an escape. It's about walking through and enduring. Because you've got to praise when you're being stretched. You've got to praise when you're broken. You've got to praise when you're accused or attacked. You've got to praise when it's dark. You've got to praise when you're bored. You've got to praise when you're worried. You've got to praise when you're humiliated. You've got to praise when you're confused. You've got to praise when you're tired. You've got to praise when you're stressed. You've got to praise when you're anxious. You've got to praise when you're sick. Don't just praise to get out. Praise to endure. And praise is not that warm up two songs in the beginning of the service. Let's just nail that coffin down. Praise is not your warm up. If you need us to warm you up, you need to check it. Praise is not our warm up. You have to choose to praise. When you choose to praise, you're saying, I'm declaring, even if (laughs) come hell or high water, I am declaring the praise of him. I choose to praise. I am choosing to praise. I have chosen to praise. I will choose to praise. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips. Come on. You see, your praise, beautiful as it is, will bring breakthrough. Your praise will break down walls. And those things that I rattled off before, worry, confusion, anxiousness, brokenness, those are walls that need to be broken down. They are things that limit you, that try to limit you from achieving what God has called you and purposed you to do. Your praise will break up the things that bind you and others. How many know that when Paul and Silas were praising in the prison, it wasn't just their chains and stocks that came off? So your praise does not just free you, it frees others. How many know the jailer wasn't locked up? The jailer wasn't locked up, but he got freed. Some people that you meet may give you this perception that they're free. But you've got to hear the sound that comes out of their mouth when trouble hits. What is the sound? So your praise will break up things and chains. Your praise breaks down the influence of the enemy. Break it down. You shut it down. And your praise will break free those who are oppressed. Those who are hopeless. Those who are blinded. 
Paul and Silas weren't praising to get out of prison. Often when I've been in prison environments, I would often say to the guys, do you know what? You could be in prison, but you could be free. There are people who are not in prison, but are locked up. You could be in prison, but you could be free. How many of you know we're just one decision away from bringing a cell? One decision. So really what separates us? It's one decision. Let's not be a church that praises to get out of situations. When trouble hits, we are the church who would stand and say, God, you are my God. I will worship you. No matter what I'm facing right now, I choose to praise you, even though I may not feel like being here. But I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know it full well. What would it look like if we were to praise in the midst of our trial? What it would look like when you're praising in the middle of your worry? What would it look like to praise when you feel like you're in the stocks and you've been stressed? Praise is about warring, not worrying. I'll say that again. Praise is about warring and not about worrying. I want to say it one more time. Your praise is about warring and it's not about worrying. Praise lifts up Jesus and pulls us down. Praise lets the enemy know who's got your confidence. And that you're not interested in anything that he tries to do. Your praise is a weapon. It is the weapon of mass destruction. It is the weapon that would bind, pull down every stronghold that tried to stand up against God's word. Your praise is a witness. Who are your audience? Who's in your audience? Your family, your friends, your work colleagues. Your praise is a witness. In your workplace, are you known to be someone who carries life and hope? Or are you just that warrior? There are people in our world who are dependent on our praise. There are people right now that if you don't open up your mouth and declare your praise, they're getting ushered into the very pits of hell. I want, to, I want you to catch the reality of it because it's serious. And I want us to get annoyed with this spirit that's dumbing down people, that's letting people just 
Just be comfortable. We need to get annoyed with it and speak forth. And today there's hope. There's hope for each one of us. I am challenged by this word. And as I'm challenged by it, I'm asking God, what do I need to do now? What do I need to do now? You see, I need to declare breakthrough. So when I'm faced with walls of worry and stress and all of those things, I need to declare breakthrough. Praise. Secondly, I need to declare breakup. Not breakup of relationships, not breakup of friendships. Just break down, break up of the walls of doubt and fear. And we need to declare a break in. A break in so the hardened soil gets broken in through the Word of God. And there's a real softening. Praise has a name. He is Jesus. Praise has a name. It's Jesus. You see, the jailer, he was going to take his own life. Now, that is serious stuff. Because in the day when you're the jailer, you have responsibility for everyone that is in your jail. When the chains fell off them, he literally thought, his default is this, there's no more good people around, even in prison, right? His default was, I'm going to take my own life before they do. That's it. Someone else's freedom could be someone else's cost. Remember the jailer in your house. Remember the person that you need to speak to and say, stop, we're all here. There is no need for you to take your life. We are all here. And in that moment, he calls for lights. Light it up. Let me see who's here. And he's counting. And he sees all of them there. Can you imagine his faith? One, in humanity. And, and two, how the heck did this earthquake happen? And in that moment, receive salvation. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's that easy. It's that easy. I'm believing that for this week, we'll have conversations like that in our workplaces, hopefully not in my workplace, in your workplace, where you say to someone, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Actually, in our office spaces, 
adventure place. I'm believing that this week there's going to be conversations where we'll just lead you to that point and believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Not a 12-step program to, oh, you need to do this. You know, just believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Just believe. Just believe and you'll be saved. And not only did the jailer become saved, his whole family got saved. I always kind of get challenged whenever I hear stories, you know, back in the islands or mission teams that go in, and I hear about whole families being saved. And I just go, God, you brought me to New Zealand. I want to see whole families saved. I want to see whole families saved. I want to say to the, to, the, to the spirit that's declaring out loud that's not carrying the spirit of God to shut up and step aside because freedom is at hand for my community. Freedom is at hand for our city. Freedom is at hand for our families. And we get to be a part of that. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. As I close this morning, I just want to give the opportunity for anyone in this room that wants to say yes to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to invite you into my life, that you be my Lord. That means you make the decisions of the things that I need to do. But then I would confess all of the things that I've done wrong and ask you to wash me clean with your blood that you poured out 2,000 years ago and make me right with you. Jesus comes, washes us clean, and sets us on a new path. Life eternal, everlasting life with Him. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.